Welcome to Confessions from a Dental Lab. This show is all about bringing you into the lab, beneath the surface, so you can see things, hear things, and understand things right from the source. Learn from longtime ceramists, dentists, and lab techs, both young and old. Without further ado, let's begin. I can't wait to get started. Yes, thank you so much for joining. My name is KJ Eichstead. This is Confessions from a Dental Lab, the show that takes you beneath the surface. You can learn things and hear things right from the source. Our goal with these episodes is to empower professionals in the dental lab world, in the dental industry, and everywhere in between. And our goal is to, hopefully by listening to these shows, help everyone get a little bit better. So we're joined today by a very special guest. His name is Dr. Uche. And Dr. Uche, we met at your uh, a recent seminar you did, a CE event, and it was very different than, I would say, 99% of the CE events that I've attended. And I can't wait to maybe get into that a little more. But my first question is, could you introduce yourself? Like, who is Dr. Uche, who you are, and what you do? Okay, I have many slashes. Uh, you know, again, as dentists, we always define ourselves by what we do. I, I feel on many other aspects besides a dentist. I'm a human. I am Canadian. I am an athlete. You know, I'm a dad. I'm an author. I love to speak. I love to blog. I love to write. Um, I do clinical dentistry. Um, I, I'm a traveler. I'm a global citizen. Uh, so that being said, um, I have many things. I've been a dentist for over 25 years. I've been an athlete uh, probably for 40 years. I read voraciously, probably about uh, a book every three or four weeks. I've been lifting weights uh, since I was 14. Do yoga once or twice a week. My cardio is non-existent because I'm from Believer, and I picked this up 12 years ago, that you can do cardio by infiltrating your weight training with intensity and low intensity. That's interval training, it's called. So my resting heart rate is 59. So I have the heart rate of a runner, but I do not run. So uh, that being said, that's who I am. I was working, I did four, I was four days in the office this week, four days in the <coughs> clinic. So I'm heading to Italy in a couple of days for the Italian National Dental Conference. Wow. So um, I'm on fire. I, I enjoy this life. I've been blessed to, uh, blessed to receive. Wow. I actually just got back from Italy less than a month ago. So I'm really hyped for you. Is that in Rome? Is that in Florence? Where are they holding that? Uh, it's going to be in Sardinia. So we, we land oh. in Naples and then uh, Sardinia is, is where the program's uh, taking place. Wow, I'm sure that's going to be fantastic. Incredibly excited for you there, Dr. Uche. And yeah, I think, um, you know, you were super unique and super memorable in the sense where you have so much passion for dentistry, but you you expand it um, into so many other areas. And we'll get to that in just a sec. So my next question is uh, kind of expanding off that first first initial blurb is, how long have you been practicing dentistry? And can you tell us more about your dental journey? Like, did you know, you always know you wanted to be a dentist when you grew up? Or is that something you kind of discovered along the way? Or can you just tell us more about your dental journey? Yeah, great question. I, I didn't always, uh, I believe it or not, I was, I, I got a bachelor's, uh, a bachelor's degree with a major in uh, psychology, minor in chemistry. Um, was thinking more towards medicine. I uh, wasn't absolutely sure. So I was just kind of like, I was open to receive. And a big part, when you look at quantum physics and even metaphysics and getting messages and tapping your intuition is to be open to receive. I think many of us have this hard-charged, you know, bull-like desire to get things. And then we don't often are open to subtle nuances of coincidence along the way. So I had a discussion with someone in a gym who was, he was uh, in first-year dental school. We talked for a bit. I never, I'd never met this guy before. He's at the University of Manitoba in the gym, in the Faculty of Educa uh, Physical Education. 
And he said, hey, you might make a good dentist. Ever thought of dentistry? I said, no, didn't think about it. Thinking more towards medicine, finishing out my bachelor's degree this year. And he said, well, dentistry is a really much of a lifestyle profession. You have lots of time. You can design your day any way you want. There's about 10 specialties. So it sounded very intriguing. So I applied to medicine and dentistry, uh, got interviews for both, which means that both faculties wanted me. However, my, medis- my medical school interview went first, and I didn't do so well just because I hadn't made any study of interview techniques. And by happenstance or coincidence, um, ended up being my dental school interview came second. It was about a week later. And I just, the dental school interview was a slam dunk. It went well. I knew how to posture. Body language was congruent. I used passion. I scanned between the different four interviewers. And I said to myself, you know what? I'm getting to this faculty. And I didn't actually, uh, when I didn't get accepted into medicine, I wasn't disappointed. I said, you know what? There's a theory in life. You, you ride in the direction the horse is going. So I chose dentistry. And I really haven't looked back since. Um, that was that's the, that's the beginning of my journey. So I wasn't always thinking about dentistry, but it's been a great time. I, I have many more years left. I I did a talk with uh, Gordon Christensen. He had a, a big conference uh, in Vegas in October of last year. And uh, he's upwards of late 80s. And he's lecturing, he's doing research. And uh, so my inspiration is this, this, this journey can go on as long as I intend it. And it, it can wax away in between lecturing and clinical. But, you know, Gordon Christensen is, is my, is my, uh, uh, from Clinical Research Associates. He's, he's my role model. Very cool. Yeah, no, thanks for sharing uh, about that. That's actually really interesting, that story in the gym. And uh, just every story about people getting into dentistry is is so unique. Like a lot of them, you know, sometimes they'll have like a, a parental figure in the field, but a good portion of them are something similar to what you just described, where someone maybe was pursuing something else like medicine or could be psychology or could be something in between. And uh, something signals them that maybe this is a path worth taking. And, and you, you very, very rarely hear of anyone regretting becoming a dentist. It's almost overwhelmingly like they love what they do. So that was cool. Um, how about this, Dr. Uche? This is kind of what I was getting at earlier, but I want to let you take this any, any direction you'd like. What's one X factor that separates you from other dentists? Mm-hmm. I think every dentist brings uh, his or her unique talents. I'm a firm believer that Every human being is unique in that, you know, when you think about you and me are only here because of millions of pair bondings over the last, you know, hundreds of thousands of years. So you and I are successful just being here. And when you think of the odds of us being conceived, you know, with with the millions of sperm and the one egg, uh, we are incredibly unique. So I think any of us, if we use our uniqueness, we will stand out. I think many dentists, we try and compete on price or I'm the best. Well, guess what? You have lots of competition. You, you add it, you add your uniqueness as your secret sauce, you know, that you believe in equestrian, you're a global traveler, you have a wellness viewpoint, you're an artist, um, you're a clinician, you're a researcher. And when anytime a dentist adds their unique factor and stop trying to compete on the boring, like price and I'm the best and I'm the fastest, guess what? That's when dental gets interesting. And that's when patients really see, I am happy to be in your chair I am happy that you're my dentist. So I think when we tap into our unique uniqueness, that's where it is. And mine obviously is nutrition and exercise. My mom was a passionate about food and healthy food. My dad uh, was also really uh, passionate about a sound mind and a sound body. So whenever I was studying too long, he said, get your butt outside and get some fresh air. So those are my two unique factors. And then uh, added the secret sauce of my voracious appetite for learning 
um, this is my X factor. You know, this was what makes me unique. Wow. I love that. And uh, I encourage the listeners, if you haven't yet, definitely keep your eyes open for Dr. Uche's CE courses and, and just his material because – I mean, speaking from experience, it was definitely unlike any other uh, delivery I've ever experienced. And, and it was very interactive, too. So I, I'm not going to give away too much, but it's definitely worth the time. Uh, going back, going a little bit more into just like the practice, Dr. Uche, uh, so, so much of it is the dentist, but then there's also the assistants, the hygienists, and then the patients, right? So speaking about the patients, What's one thing your patients have taught you over the years as, as someone who's an avid learner? What's one thing your patients have taught you? Um, it taught me, it's, you know, I think every patient's unique, just like every dentist is unique. I think when you look at uh, what makes people sick and what makes people have, you know, oral disease, um, most dentists, we're, we're very nuts and bolts. We're very much into the hard science. And the hard science says you see decay, you fix it. You see um, inflammation, you scale the heck out of it. If you see something that's beyond your scope of practice, you refer it. And we base our whole style of dentistry on it. Um, I'm, I'm a firm believer. I've, I've been to Pankey. And uh, L.D. Pankey, his passion was, uh, he said, no patient ever leaves his marriage, his career, his sleeping habits, his work-life habits, his diet habits in the car before they come into your practice. So I think um, unless a dentist starts looking at a broader picture of who a patient is, you will always leave it out. Like you, you know, you'll do an extraction on a police officer who's been up all night. Hey, hey, guess what? If you're not sleeping well, the immune system is put on hold. We'll do an implant on a lady that just got divorced. Guess what? Divorce is stressful. Immune system goes on hold when someone is under stress. Um, you'll wonder why someone has lots of bleeding uh, hygienists as, as, uh, as, your, as your scaling appointment goes on and you accuse the patient of not flossing hey, you didn't realize this patient is obese, which is one out of three North Americans. Obese people have higher levels of background inflammation than people of lean body weight. You'll also wonder why people don't respond well to your veneers. And you're thinking, wow, I just took beautiful veneers. My lab is great. How come they're bleeding around the tissue? Well, this patient is sedentary. Sedentary people have higher levels of inflammation than people who are physically active. So that being said, you know, looking at those four pillars, my four pillars are exercise, sleep, stress management, and exercise. It, it, most dentists don't look at those four things when they treatment plan. They don't look at those four things during the patient exam. And when things don't go well, you don't realize that a patient's lifestyle habits often sabotage what's going on in the chair. So, you know, you're pulling your hair out, wondering why the implant fails. Hey, an obese, shift-working, sedentary person who hates his job is, is, prop, is more likely going to have not as good integration around your titanium implant as someone who sleeps well, loves their job, exercises, and eats a salad every day. I mean, that's incredible. That's a, it, it, on a, on a base level, it's, it's just like every person's unique, like you said, and they all have many, many factors uh, in addition to just like what, you know, maybe you're taught in school to look for. Like, it's like not just the dental aspects of them, but just the overall lifestyle aspects. And, and Dr. Uchi, I'm curious, maybe some dentists can take this away from this conversation. How do you go about maybe like writing and retaining these notes? Like, do you guys just kind of put all this in a CRM? Like, is it, is it just like, you know, you have like a, like a, like a section for the, the oral stuff and then a section for like the, the health stuff, or how do you go about just like categorizing all this and like kind of remembering it and like putting it in a story uh, for, you know, for when you go, you know, three to six months without seeing these patients and then picking right back up? 
Well, I just I, I'll, I'll make a comment of one of those four areas. It'll go in my medical history. Whenever you review the medical history, you know, you ask, you know, how have you been sleeping? But many times, a dentist or hygienist asks, um, any changes in your medical history? Most people, they don't. No, most patients never ask for clarification. They go, oh no, no changes. Meanwhile, yeah. they're on shift work now. Two, their diet has changed. Three, they're no longer exercising, or they've gained ten pounds. So, unless you ask a specific question, like. How are you sleeping lately? What's going on in your work these days? Um, have you gained or lost weight in the last three, six months? You know, how are you enjoying work? And then now you get the real picture. Person gained 10 pounds. Person's doing shift work. Person fell off their weight, going through a divorce. Now that gives me a more accurate picture of their systemic issues, their bodily issues, their emotional issues. And now I know that my exam needs to take that into consideration in order to assess properly why something's happening and also the prognosis of a treatment option that I will suggest. So, and those notes go into my medical history. And sometimes in the middle of, you know, discovering that uh, a bridge is loose and then you realize, hey, this bridge was only placed 10 years ago. Uh, what's going on in your life? Oh, I'm having a terrible time. You know, I'm not sleeping well and my spouse just got cancer. I'm just having a hard time. I seem to be a lot of stress in my life. Oh, I said, you clenching more. Clen yes. So now I see a person who's clenching when the bridge was originally fitting well. Um, even if the bridge is not exactly perfect, stress and bruxism and clenching will only exacerbate the loosening of one of the abutments. So it's amazing how patients love when they hear a dentist say, guess what? I can often suspect something's going on in your private life and it shows up in your mouth. And people think, wow, what a great dentist. You know, what a great hygienist. This is the reason why I come here. So I'm often, you know, inspiring patients that, you know what? My husband needs to see you or, oh, my son needs to see you. And you can actually get, you know, a new patient in the middle of an exam, in the middle of a recare exam, just by sharing one new subtle influence of lifestyle and how it shows up in the mouth. And this is where, this is the sweet spot. This is where I share, you know, my all-day talks, my three-day talks, my one-hour keynotes. You know, this is what I share. We need to create a shift in our perception of the mouth. And patients need to create a shift in the perception of what a dentist and hygienist can do in relation to looking at them from head to toe instead of just this, you know, this chewing, um, tapping, you know, lateral excursion uh, dental devices. It's so true. It's so true. Thank you for uh, elaborating on that, Dr. Uche. Um, a little bit of a, a different style question, but I think very important to touch on. How important is it? to work with a good dental lab? And why is that so important for dentists? Um, I, I love my lab. I think that that relationship is definitely evolves as a dentist, uh, as she gets better uh, in the clinical skills. You start, accept, you start um, the communication goes beyond. I think um, honest communication is perfect. You know, some, I know I've heard that 85% um, of, uh, this is, you know, the, the impressions with putty, 85% of polyvinylsiloxone impressions aren't great and but a lab will often still make a crown because they don't want to upset the dentist's um, uh, feelings or ego. Um, I think as a dentist, if we surrender our ego, and I always tell my lab, anything you have a question about, please message me. And sometimes I tell them not to call the front desk. I'll say, text me. So it's an immediate response. And it doesn't have to go through a gatekeeper. So I'll say, if any challenges you have with a case or any questions you have about an impression or any communication or a shade, please text me. That's why I can answer after hours, I can answer on a weekend because many labs work Saturday, Sundays. So I think honest communication, as a dentist, if we're open-minded and lose the ego, 
you know, have the dentist, have the technician be able to ask you a question. Is it a D or is it a, a B? I can't, I, I don't know what you wrote down. And also, are you open to, for me to share what I see about your impression? Um, obviously, dentists are, you know, we're very strongly confident people. So um, criticism may come across and we'll, you know, we'll put up a roadblock. But if, um, if, if you, if we talk to one technician exclusively many times, we develop that relationship and I'll often share the results. Many technicians never see what their work looks like in the mouth. So whether something turns out good or bad, and most obviously it's good, I'll take some pictures really quickly and send it to the technicians. Hey, beautiful for Emacs case, or look at this six veneer case. Thank you so much. Patient loves it. And now the technician finally sees their work inside the mouth at the finished end. And they don't only hear the criticism or patient doesn't like it. We're cutting them off. Patient doesn't like it. We're sending it back. So I like to send way more positive pictures than looking at something wasn't done quite right. Could we redo it? Or could you, you know, could you add a contact or make a contact more, more broad? I think that's great. Like advice, uh, over communicate rather than under communicate. And it's a team effort. So, uh, speaking of advice, Dr. Uche, I got a little bonus question for you. You can take this any direction you'd like, but what advice would you give to just all the dentists out there looking to maximize success in 2023, 2024 and beyond? Uh, I think many dentists, when I go to conferences, the clinical courses are packed. The communication courses aren't as packed. The, um, the intangible courses about conflict resolution and wellness are usually uh, taken in by team. And all the dentists crowd, you know, how to develop a million dollar practice, how to double your production, how to go from a single office to a DSO. And, and it's funny, um, most dentists, their problems don't happen because of clinical challenges they happen because of communication challenges, not just with their team, but with themselves and with their families and having your family not in the same vision quest as you are or not communicating your appreciation of your assistant or hygienist um, often enough. So I challenge dentists to, you can actually improve your practice life and your overall productivity and your personal life and your job fulfillment if you um, add a couple of communication or life skills courses at every conference and not just attend the implant, crown prepping, you know, uh, uh, clinical courses that are packed with dentists, all wanting to know more. Hey, you're licensed already. You know, sure, take those post-grad courses, but definitely start learning some of the life skills courses, communication courses, and personal development courses. And that's usually makes the difference maker. Um, you know, dentists always know that sometimes the most successful dentists aren't the best clinically. So there's a reason for that. It's because they've put um, an equal amount of effort in their own personal development and life skills and money management and time management and conflict resolution and communication skills and body language skills as they've done their clinical skills. So I think that's where Dennis could definitely take away from this podcast is don't just think clinical, think communication, self-talk, wellness, and that will set you apart from the rest of the pack. And there is no, there is no, competition when you, you when you add personal development and you tap into unique talents and um, dentistry gets more fulfilling and uh, and you get your family and friends and your team um, harnessed in the same direction as you've taken the horse amazing advice dr uche i i wow i love that because it's not about the technical i mean but it's so important and and you could argue it is technical you know just communicating and it's part of that whole comprehensive experience when a patient comes into the office thank you so much for for kind of drilling that home uh dr Uche, i love asking this question 
do you have any um you know goals for the future you'd like to share with the audience um i'm i believe like that is a author by the name is he's a real estate developer uh investor his last name is cordon and he's got he's got this rule called the 10 times rule um, cordon, I, yeah, yeah. I, I think anytime humans we're, we're so we so haven't tapped into our potential you know i heard i read a couple of years ago in 1895 the u.s patent office one of the directors said we should probably close up the patent office this is 1895 because everything that's ever been invented has probably been invented i heard someone in the canadian military uh i heard someone over i heard a conversation saying um i bet you and this is like right when facebook first started i bet you probably everything that's ever been um, thought of has been thought of and i'm like holy cow so <laughs> many times we put limits on what human beings are capable of and i think um any goal i have is going to completely not challenge the full talent of what goes on in my 84 billion neurons so even if i shared a goal um i could equally like cardone says times it by 10 so just to be uh vulnerable i could say everything i do now i would love to times it by 10 not because i just want more is because by going for more, I'll tap into my talents more. So the minute I look at a big, hairy, audacious goal, it's not necessarily the goal achievement that comes from it. It is who I become from getting that goal. You know, who Uchi taps into, what talents I tap into, and who I bring along with me on the way. Because as an African proverb, my dad's African. Um, um, it said, if you want to go far, go alone. If you want to travel the furthest, um, go with someone else. So I firmly believe, um, you know, partnering up with someone, having a synergistic group. I always like the fact that people talk about, you know, I'm, I'm done all I can. I've written a book. What next? I said, well, you know, <clears throat> Bill Gates had Paul Allen and Steve Ballamore. <clears throat> and between those three people, they developed Microsoft and the rest is history. Yeah, that's, uh, I love that <clears throat> because it's it's just something else that no matter what the person listening is, uh, you know, aspiring to do, you can always think bigger, and oftentimes you're going to end up achieving a lot more than you thought you could. Um, Dr. Uche, I, I got to get this one in. Uh, what's um, What are you reading lately? Um, I just started the book Outlive, um, hmm. Outlive by Peter Atai. He's a medical doctor, um, cancer surgeon, and I realized that um, cutting out tumors and treating people when they're near death or have been diagnosed is probably not the most efficient way to help humanity. He thought, I'm going to go more towards prevention. So... Um, he, again, it's funny because I have my four pillars. He talked about uh, the four horsemen. He said there's four things that kill, you know, 90% of people, cardiovascular disease, neurogenerative disease, um, diabetes, and uh, cancer. So he talked about the pillars of health. So I'm in, in third chapter and I love it. It's probably the, the, the fifth book I've read this year. So I'm, I'm digging into it deeply. So it's uh, Outlive by Peter uh, a tie an ATTIA medical doctor uh, trained at uh, Stanford in California. Very cool. Yeah, thank you for sharing. And uh, you, you mentioned you've read about a few other books this year. Anyone else? Any other one you want to quick mention for the listeners? Or um, so many. I think everyone's in a different place in their journey. People ask me ask me what's the best nutrition book. You know, I, I, I'm what Stephen Covey calls. Stephen Covey is a PhD and uh, he's passed away. We wrote a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. It came out in the '80s. And he said there's four levels of accomplishment, you know, unconscious incompetence, conscious incompetence, conscious competence, where you're actually trying to get better, and then unconscious competence, which means you don't even think about doing your daily habits. They, they're, they're who you are. And that's how I order a restaurant. That's how I pick a seat on a plane. 
I'm unconsciously competent in choosing things that support my goals. So when I tell someone the best nutrition book for me, it may not be for the average Joe or the average person or starting their nutrition journey. So it's not really fair. I almost want to see what they're dealing with. You know, some people mm-hmm. go, Dr. Atu, I'm, I've taken a probiotic. I'm eating a salad every day. My reflux still hasn't gone away and I have lots of constipation. They leave out the fact that they're in a horrible marriage or they, they're still doing endo and they're not good at endo. So um, sometimes people are trying to attack a problem and it's not their area that could get the biggest bang for their buck. So for them, it could be you know, handling some childhood trauma, coming to grips with some abusive experience that it's kind of un- unconscious or leaving a marriage that's no longer serving either the, the couple. Or it's um, you know, referring out your endo. You don't like doing endo. Um, refer out the endo. You've never found the MB2 canal as a dentist, you know. So um, it's not really fair to say what book it is. I'm, I'm reading Outlive by Peter Atai. Uh, mm-hmm. The best thing people can do is, is direct message me. I love getting back to people. I'm, I'm most active on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, my Twitter account is uh, Fit Speakers. You can probably put that in the show notes. Yep, uh, yep. So that, I direct message people. I answer direct messages. I love tapping into what makes people want to hear back from me. Sometimes as a speaker, we always give people what, what I think they want. Like, how could I serve the needs of, you know, 1,500 people in a keynote in Denver? This I did a keynote to open up the Colorado State Dental Meeting um, about three years ago. And there's 2,500 people. I'm doing my one-hour keynote. How could I serve everyone's needs? But what I do is, though, when people ask me questions, direct message me, I'm better able to see, hey, I just assume people know that. And I got to realize sometimes I got to start with the bare foundational principles and don't go fringe right away. So by direct answering people's questions um, on email or text or Instagram or Twitter, I'm better able to see what, what people really are interested in. And then like a Michelin star chef, I can subtly change my menu, you know, as I go through uh, a dinner rather than just give people a canned speech, which happens so many times. People leave, ah, that's kind of exciting, but doesn't relate to me. But I really want to do is connect with people, you know, heartfelt way and not just cerebrally. I think most dentists, you want a cerebral interaction. Most hygienists want to know more. And I, I don't think knowledge is really power. I think, you know, people got to connect emotionally and then actually t- apply it. And that's where my approach is so unique. I don't just want to feed people information. It's how can I make them feel? How can I make them laugh? How can I make them learn? And now, and now, you know, application becomes effortless and consistent and maintainable. And that's, and that's the joy that I see when someone, you know, five, 10 years later have kept off the weight they've lost during a program, or they're now running a wellness-based practice that's booming with new patients. So. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all that, Dr. Uche. And uh, thank you for sharing um, your Instagram or your, your, your Twitter. And did you mention your Instagram in there? Is it the same? Is it fit speakers as well? Or yeah, both. Yeah. Both of them are fit speakers. Those are I'm most active on. And people often think, oh, Instagram, I don't want to follow Kim Kardashian. I said, well, you can follow your favorite author. You can follow your favorite dental learning institute, whether it's LVI or Panky or Coice. You can follow your favorite author, me. You can follow your favorite political candidate. You know, you don't just have to follow celebrities. You know, it could be an athlete. So, and I only follow maybe 10, 15, 20 people. So now my feed is full of stuff that inspires me and not just, you know, flipping back and forth between watching a kid swallow a pound of pasta. Like it's, it's not interesting <laughs> to me, you know. I, I want to know what uh, maybe what Dr. Oz is reading. I want to know um, Conor McGregor's comeback from behind story. Yeah. I want to know, you know, um, what Coyce is uh, doing next spring at his learning institute out in, uh, you know, Pacific Northwest. So um, I, I think Instagram is a great way to tap into the thoughts of people that we love. And it's, um, you know, think about Socrates and Hippocrates. You know, if they had a Twitter or a Instagram, 
you could have tapped in real time with what they're thinking rather that than been amazing you know 2000 3000 you know 2300 years later but um, anyway it, it's all happening at the right time you know you and I have never been at such a, a awesome incredible time i think it's a, a very pregnant time um, in humanity with access to technology and artificial intelligence and wellness and dentistry dentists can definitely lead the way like we are you know dentists and hygienists and assistants we are in charge of the gateway to health and um, hippocrates you know 2300 years ago said all disease begins in the gut so here's Hippocrates, no microscope, didn't know germ theory, but in 300 BC, he said, all disease begins in the gut. Who's in charge of the entrance to the gut? We are. So mm. uh, I toast my fellow colleagues and hygienists um, everywhere as we move forward into this new way of looking at, um, I call it dentistry uh, 3.0, because it's next level. So much good stuff in this conversation. We want to thank Dr. Uche for joining us. We'll make sure to put his stuff in the show notes. And I want to thank everyone for listening. All the dentists out there, all the dental technicians, ceramists, no matter who's listening, we appreciate you. And we encourage you to just text this show to one other person. It's the easiest way to help the show. And it's a, it's an easy way for all of us to get a little bit better. So this has been another great episode of Confessions from a Dental Lab. I want to thank Dr. Uche for joining us. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Confessions from a Dental Lab. If you'd like to contact the show, simply send us an email at dentallabpodcast at gmail.com. You can also get in touch with us at life at newartdental on Instagram. Thank you for listening once again. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe and tell a friend. And until next time, we're out.